Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ambassadors Forum Radio Show here on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high-tech industry, and most importantly, bought and paid for bond servant for Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to answer life's hard questions the same way Jesus did. I have the privilege today of interviewing another elder in our local church, Don Loper. Don grew up in the South, attended junior college, and then went into the U.S. Army. After being honorably discharged, he got a degree in information systems and worked for IBM. He currently runs his own business and IT operations and is actively involved in our church community along with his wife and children. I've enjoyed getting to know Don and his wife, Joyce, and their children. They're a wonderful, godly family who are creating a legacy of faith and being an example of commitment to the Lord in their community. Don, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'd like to start by having you tell us about your childhood and your family growing up. I was born and raised in Jacksonville, Daytona Beach, and Live Oak, Florida. Most of those years were in Live Oak. Initially, we were not a church-going family. We moved to Live Oak, and my father took a job there as a principal. And his parents lived there, and his mother was instrumental in getting us children, initially, to Sunday school. Mm. And so church became a regular weekly event in our lives there. It was during the time of the 50s, the late 50s for Live Oak and through the 60s, mm. the remainder of the time. I lived there until 1975. I was baptized at 14. And for the most part, the belief system, well, it was such that it was once you were baptized, you were right with God and mm. on your way to life. So those early years, segregation existed. There was no integration in school for the first 10 years. Mm. So it was pretty much like that early on. Did everybody go to church or was everybody a real believer or was it more of a cultural thing to, to go to church and everybody seemed like they were right with God, but, but maybe that wasn't the case? Yeah, I think the latter, everybody seemed like they were right with God. And since becoming a Christian and living my life that way for the last 39 years, I reflect back on some of the teachings, trying to understand why wasn't the gospel just given, you know, mm. to people seem to go to church to feel good? One thing about the community, though, there were churches everywhere. <laughs> so like, mm. like a church on almost every other block. So, but we went to just one in particular, and it was called African Baptist. Mm. And then there was a white church that was First Baptist. It was kind of a situation like Sundays, everything was closed. And so there was reverence, if you will, to God. And I think people denied that God existed. It's just they thought they were doing enough to, I guess, please him or be right with him. Mm -hmm. uh, and I certainly felt that way myself for <laughs> the next 15 years. <laughs> A little bit about my salvation background. When I, Joyce and I had been married two months and we were talking about going to church. I, I felt like I really needed to go to church. Mm. And I was thinking about a church in Portland, Northeast Portland. Mm. We lived in Tigard at the time. Mm. This is 1982. And 
two men knocked on our door one evening from Westgate Baptist Church. I let them in and they commenced to telling us about Jesus and the gospel. One of the first things they asked early in the conversation after introduction and things like that was, you know, our relationship with God. And I said, well, I've been baptized. I just felt like, you know, it had carried me this far and that was it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so just unlearned, if you will, about what God's word truly says. Mm. And that evening we prayed to receive the Lord. And wow, that was 39 years ago, September 30th. So wow, it's been really great learning and growing and seeing God work mightily in our lives. Our children, you know, we you talk about first, third generation Christians and what have you, they're solid. Great concern was always when they grew up, would they turn aside? Mm. And they truly haven't. And I'm really pleased with that. And I know it's because of the Lord. Mm. Amen. When you think back of when you were growing up and you said you went to an African Baptist church, your family did. And I think you said there was a white Baptist church. Did it feel like there was unity among the churches or did it feel like they served God in their way, but we served God in in a different way. and, And there wasn't a lot of unity there was like you said i think you said segregation in the schools yeah um, unfortunately that's the sad thing about it all coming to the understanding that i have Hmm. i think it was segregation in the church and i know that was not god i know that now Hmm. so there was not unity there wasn't necessarily support as i said being born early in the 50s and coming up through there was a lot of understanding that, that i didn't have as I turned the corner, you know, 11, 12 years old, I started seeing things a lot better and understanding more. So I would say there was total segregation. I mean, we're not allowed in their church. They were not allowed in ours. And that's really? Wow. Yeah. The thing is, that doesn't exist today. Right. I Did went you... home once and went to African Baptist and there was white people there. <laughs> so, so that just shows you what, what, what the Lord has um Yeah done. Uh, Unfortunately, as far as the church is concerned, it would have been nice to have seen that during those days Mm. because Mm. we know the Lord is not that way and he's totally impartial Mm. in terms of people groups. You know, the only thing he distinguishes in scripture is tribes, tongues, and nations. And I think all of those were represented in that Mm. church after Pentecost. Mm. So anyway... Yeah, the answer to your question, it was not unity or support. Within the community, would you have felt like that other Baptist church, that they were all part of God's family? How would you have, or the pastors or whatever, how did they resolve the unity that is clearly in Scripture about one body of Christ, yet different congregations in Live Oak? Did they ever explain that? Did they ever touch on that? Or did they just avoid the subject? I can say that. I don't recall any kind of unifying information from the pulpit about, I mean, you hear terms like all God's children. I mean, Dr. King would say that too. He kind of meant it in that unifying way, but he was talking about civil rights and more of the social stuff, in my opinion, than than necessarily the body of Christ and the church. So I don't think a good job was done in those days along those lines. I mean, there were practical teachings and things like that and, you know, historical things from the Bible, but not 
that the kind of support we have today and the teaching and preaching that expresses and basically exemplifies unity in Christ. It just didn't exist. I would say this, Roy, I think the church in the South across the board, black and white, failed in this area. Mm. Instead of being leaders Mm. and not allowing Christ to be tainted with the ins and outs of segregation, Mm. it kind of went along with society. I think I mentioned, you know, black men used to say, well, the church was for white people. There have been discussions even about it being the last institution to integrate. Wow. You know, so you have, if you think about segregation, what was across the board, and you had education, probably was the first one, and then corporate America, the military had its Mm. issues. But see, I don't see the church, in my understanding of it all, it's not like, although God ordained governments and what have you, the church is the Lord's, and it has always been integrated. I mean, mm-hmm. we were dealing with our issues in in America, but they were probably African Christians and Christians in China. So there was integration in the church already when you mm-hmm. consider the body of Christ. So we kind of, in my opinion, failed there. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how it was in the West, the North. Mm-hmm. I did have family in Connecticut and New York, but they weren't believers. Mm. They didn't even go to church, per se. When you think back to that time and that culture, if there would have been a church that was outspoken and bold and said, you know what, we're going to integrate, we're going to stand against the culture, what do you think would have been the response of the people in that community at that time? You think that would have been well received by that kind of church or that kind of pastor? Or you think they would have caught a lot of blowback and opposition to try to integrate? You said they didn't. You know, if someone would have tried, what do you think the response would have been? I think some may have tried to make it happen, but there were people who, obviously, most black people that I knew of certainly didn't care for segregation, but there were some white people who didn't either. Mm. But, you know, if you own a business and you're patronized by your people, you kind of are more silent Mm. about your views on that. So you aren't going to say anything. I think it would have been probably, I certainly can't say even the pushback would have been more. A lot of people maybe think differently, but I don't think it would have happened. And that's just how bad things were. You were living in the South in this deeply segregated culture when the civil rights movements were happening and everything was kind of getting pretty, Mm -hmm. you know, intense. You were going to church, but you weren't a true believer at that time. Mm -hmm. What was that experience like for you going through that kind of firsthand? It was difficult. I want to say I'm scarred for life from it. Childhood was normal, but that really wasn't the way that it needed to be. And some people are truly scarred from it. Culturally, you get used to things and and you just kind of move on and you don't think much about the effects of it. But it was difficult with so many do's and don'ts. And it was like it was pressed down on you. There was not in our area 
I mean, some churches were bombed in places like Alabama and Mississippi and different mm-hmm. places like that. There was never anything like that where I was, but just the expression of segregation constantly being there across the board. You know, as I grew older and was, I think I might have mentioned it, Saturday going into junior high and the thought of you start thinking about your future and what have you, and you find out you're in the major academic areas, you're text behind, mm. you know, because things have been held back, not for monetary reason or financial reasons, but just the ugliness of, mm. quite frankly, racism and segregation. It's a people problem. You know, I didn't know anything about the Lord or how my attitude should be. And for that matter, my heart and my mind, I just thought it was evil. People mm. were, that would do things like that. And and I know maybe I'm out here in Oregon because I, I really wanted to get so far away from it. <laughs> I mean, seriously, even though I started school there, my military tour initially took me to South Carolina. There was no difference there. Mm-hmm. And then I had to deal with the community. I mean, they were kind of rolling out of it, mm-hmm. but some places were not moving forward at a decent pace. Mm-hmm. And then I had a military base there that were dealing with the same kind of issues. Mm-hmm. So it was difficult. I'm glad my children didn't have to go through that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is one of the points I want to make about the whole thing, them being born in the late, mid to late 80s. I mean, imagine a young kid, you're nurturing them up and they start walking and they just see people together. I mean, we're taking them to church and and we have Asians, Hispanics, Blacks, Whites, we're all serving the Lord. That's all they've ever seen. None of the things that I encountered growing up, and I don't think America should ever be like that again. And with this I was curious what the curriculum must look like for CRT. I mean, how do you teach a third grader? Something like that. Anyways, I have those lingering effects. It makes it difficult to talk about sometimes. In the culture today, I hear on the news and videos and social media, I've heard America is the most racist country in the world today. And having lived before the civil rights movement in the South, do you think there's legitimacy to that claim today that America today is the most racist country on the earth? No, there's no legitimacy to that. Not compared to that time. Mm. Now, during that time, it was segregation across the country, but it was prominent in the South and openly expressed in ways that whatever way it could be. I think you got a lot of people trying to get into this country because we're not that way. Mm-hmm. They know they have an opportunity to deal with it. And I think that I'm not sure if blacks my age, I know how my family feels about things and that some of them may be different than I am, how I feel. Sure. What has happened to me, Roy, is aligning my life with the Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have that over there for 29 years and 22 of those years or so were in segregation mm. and that kind of life. And then I have 39 years of walking with the Lord and seeing him work mightily, not only in my life, but other people's lives, who answering my prayers on the behalf of others and you know just the various things, growing and abiding in his word and 
just seeing how the Lord is and coming into what he's planning for us. It's just a shame that that ever happened, that it was ever like that. But it's still America. You know, America is a great story. And yes, we have that past that's there. And I think some people who never experienced try to reflect it in these things that they're saying. Mm -hmm. And they have no idea about it. And we're not even close to that. You know, I was reading the CRT things about how they were saying a systemic racism is interwoven in every area of society in America. And it's not the quote unquote bad apple syndrome where like our situation that happened last May, you know, a policeman that's over here, he's not. And then you got a, another person that's this black person that they're two bad apples mm-hmm. and they clash. They want to throw that out and just say it happened because there's systemic racism mm-hmm. and there's no account for individuals' hearts. Mm-hmm. They may be saying that because a lot of people don't talk about it, but black people can be as racist as any people. Mm-hmm. I mean, quite frankly, I say that, and, you know, I am <laughs> black, but seriously, <laughs> and they're harder on one another than other people might be. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't get my mind in that arena. And it's a lot about what's happened in my own life. I know I'm not in the inner city and I know I'm not dealing with the day-to-day things that are there and what people are experiencing, but there are so many other variables that cause people to be downcast Mm. and then they looked for a reason to say why. Mm. And in America, whatever agenda of propaganda they want to promote, Mm. they jump on racism Mm. and they use it as the vehicle No, I don't agree with that, but I really can't say that I speak for all black people. Sure. I like what you said, Don, about the answer is Jesus. (laughs) You know, the answer is being delivered uh, from Mm -hmm. our sin by the Lord. God has given us, you know, the Bible to guide Mm -hmm. us and conform us into the image of Christ. I think in an ideal world, all the stuff in the culture and at the world, and, and it tries to divide us, tear us down. But the church should be a place where we receive truth and this redemption in God, where we're all one body and we're all one family. Do you think that's happening today? Or do you think that even in the church, this message of CRT, where we still need to be divided, we still need to be fighting each other, do you think the church has? rejected that message or do you think it's landed in the church? I've been recently listening to Tony Evans. Hmm. He appears to be against all that's going on. I'm not sure what his congregation looks like and different things like that. So to some degree, there are some churches and pastors that are preaching unity in the body of the Christ versus Hmm. what is going on. I really can't say how things are widespread. My sister goes to Mount Olivet. Mm. And I think the the main pastor that had been there for years has retired. Mm. And so I'm not sure where they are. I'm mostly doing streaming of their mm. services just to see what's going on. I'm not sure what the uneasiness is. I have two sisters down there still and a host of cousins and nieces and nephews mm. and aunts and uncles and 
my sisters I communicate with the most, everything's about the Lord. It's not, you know, they're talking about, you know, what God is doing for them. And they both are older than I am. So they, they're always talking about Jesus coming. So, <laughs> so it's like, I know they're tired of, you know, all this going on. And, yeah. and then thinking about CRT, I mean, they're like five, six years older than I am. And so they understood a lot more back then earlier than I did. Mm, and I being see. women, yeah. it was more difficult for them. So mm. they're tired. They want the Lord to come. And I say, well, <laughs> it might just be the beginning. You know, it's like, <laughs> you can't. Uh... so it's like that. But it's hard to gauge where the pulse of the church is overall. Yeah. I know it's going to come after the church in some way, shape or form. Yeah. You know, there's just yeah. like schools, like I was saying, Saturday, the church is not listed. It's all those other institutions that are embracing CRT. When I think about CRT, my life in Christ, it makes me think about those times. I don't want people to have to stir that up. You know, leave it alone. It's like me being a Christian and I had the kind of baggage that, you know, how God says he commends his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, right? Christ died for us and he received us where we are. And so all of us have this baggage that we bring in. Maybe there are some things that if they're touched on, you have a propensity to kind of backslide, if you will. That's mm. kind of an old term. Mm. So why would you indulge in that? The CRT is the same way. Why, although it's important historically, like I was saying Saturday, our teachers taught us American history. Mm. I just think it just is their intent is to continue the chaos. Mm -hmm. It sounds really good, like intersectionality being taught in upper echelon college classes for population health science, mm -hmm. you know, and things like that. But I don't see where any of it is necessary. I'm really, really sad about it all. Mm -hmm. We thought about going to church over in Portland just to hear some messages to see how people are feeling and talk mm. to some, but that hasn't happened yet. You talked about how you had hoped you would provide a different experience for your own kids, you know, right. the, where, where they just grow up and they just see people as, as people and neighbors and friends right. at church. When they engage with CRT, your kids, what do you think their approach to it is? How do you think it resonates or doesn't resonate with them today? They haven't experienced, obviously, what I experienced, but they're totally against it. Mm. I think they see how it can be expressed in a very, very negative way. Mm. And even my youngest son, he's totally against it. I mean, you can have conservative views and not know the Lord. Sure. It's not mm -hmm. about that. Right. What I appreciate is it's centered on the Word of God mm. and that how... God has opened his kingdom to all people. And so it's more along those lines. When we have discussions of really biblical content as well as what is going on, mm -hmm. their culture in their early years was nothing like mine. So they, they see it all from a different perspective, but I'm very pleased with it exists as it is with them. Mm -hmm. We're now working on our grandchildren to try to be the same. We just have three down in Miami where it's a little bit different, mm. but they're very 
calm people, they listen well, and they're good kids. That's where a concern is for us. It really are the children who are going to make a difference in the future. Well, thank you, Don, for talking to me today about this sure. subject. I know it can be difficult because it it can bring up memories and a time in your life that you're like, things weren't the way they should be. I'm glad that we can rejoice together that God has saved you and many mm-hmm. in your family and you're walking with him and, mm-hmm. and walking in his light. And I appreciate what you had to say to us today. I think it was very helpful perspective to get. Thanks for having me. Now, how about you? Have you experienced some things in the church or in our culture that have been confusing or difficult to deal with? Are you looking for the clear truth of the Bible on complicated subjects? Are you looking for a community that you can discuss with and engage with on topics that matter? Then visit our website at theambassadorsforum.com for lots of resources on how to share and defend and apply your faith. You can also join us every third Friday for an open forum on relevant topics in our culture today. We have great speakers taking on relevant topics with lots of live Q&A and back and forth. You can find all the pertinent information on our website at theambassadorsforum.com. Finally, thank you for joining us on the radio today. You can join us every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on True Talk 800 a.m. KPDQ. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 